All right, Cast Chasers, here is part two of my conversation via Instagram Live with E.T., Jack Daniels National Brand Ambassador. Pour a dram, settle in. This is the Cast Chasers Podcast. Of the number seven um, that I'm gonna I'm gonna nose on as we talk. I think I wanted to walk. I want I wanted to ask you to walk me through a tasting, but I think I'm gonna do something different because there's a lot of notes that I appreciate in Jack. There's one that stands out that I think makes Jack iconic, of course, and it's that uniqueness of that charcoal filtration. Can you walk right. me through? Can you define for the listeners what it means to be a Tennessee whiskey first off? Because there is a difference. Yes. Why isn't it yes. not just a bourbon? Because um, it meets all the qualifications, and then you get a Facebook argument for three days. Um, yes. You're right. So what Correct. is a Tennessee whiskey? What is that filtration? What is that process? And then let's talk about what that means in the glass. Is that is that is that cool? Yeah, yeah. So that's, I'm glad you asked that because that is a very confusing, we say it a lot and then I think it just goes right over people, charcoal mm-hmm. mellowed, right? Mm-hmm. Charcoal filtered. And you have the laws of bourbon, which I'm sure your listeners are familiar with, right? Too so much. Tennessee whiskey by the, right. <laughs> Tennessee whiskey per the U.S. government is straight bourbon made in Tennessee. Now, you know and I know Straight bourbon made in Tennessee or straight bourbon made in Vermont or straight bourbon made in Alaska is still just straight bourbon. There's no difference in, in right. process with that statement. In Tennessee, um, you know, a coalition of distillers, including Jeff Arnett, our former master distiller, got the state to, to designate one extra law, which is Tennessee says Tennessee whiskey is straight bourbon made in Tennessee that touches charcoal. Okay. Now that's a very interesting phrase. Okay. So if we took new make bourbon right off the still and filled it in an Olympic sized swimming pool and dropped in one briquette of charcoal and then put it in a barrel, legally we would be making Tennessee whiskey. At Jack Daniels, what we do is those two guys, Darren Tracy, they hand make charcoal um, from sugar maple trees. We grind it up really fine. We pack it into these 14 foot giant vats, 10 feet of charcoal, and we bring new make off the still through copper on top of this charcoal. And all these little drips come off this copper piping and it touches the top of that charcoal. takes about two days to get to the bottom of that charcoal. Once we put it in the barrel at that point, we're making Tennessee whiskey. Now, what is this charcoal, right? What does it do? Exactly. So adds it adds zero color. It adds zero flavor. Okay. Charcoal is a removal process. That's interesting. Think about a Brita filter. Yeah. Okay. You know, I just learned a something. Brita filter. Yeah. And a lot, that's again, I'm really glad you asked because yeah, yeah. it's, 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 it's not easy until you kind of get into it a little bit. 
But a Brita filter takes tap water, goes through charcoal filter, and as we know, it comes out clear. Mm. So the mm. charcoal is removing minerals and vitamins that you might not want in your drinking water. So you have a cleaner, you know, uh, crisper drinking water. The way we do charcoal, because as I said, you can just you can flush it. You can just take thousand gallons of whiskey through three feet of charcoal in a tube in and out in seconds. It will do nothing. It's just ceremonial and it's fine. But what we do is the 10 feet. And by doing that, what is it removing? It's removing a lot of um, fatty acids and oils, corn oils and corn aroma and corn flavor. Okay. And by removing a lot of that grain, a lot of that grain note, you're allowing other flavors to shine. Okay. And so when you talk about our yeast, it's a very fruit forward yeast. It's a lot of apple pear. You get that banana note. Mm. So we're toning down, um, you know, a lot of the, the grain part of it. A lot of those other flavors shine. And when you put it in the barrel, you're even having more flavors come out like the caramels and the vanillas brighter because we've already taken out some of that corn. And I'll give you one better. And I hope Chris doesn't watch this, but <laughs> I'm assuming we just had Halloween. You just had Halloween. Have you had uh, um, a Snickers bar in your life? Um, I'm 5'11", 240. So, yes. So, the answer is... Yeah. <laughs> right. So, if you take out if you, if you take out the peanuts, you have a Milky Way bar. Mm. You added nothing, but that Milky Way bar tastes completely different from the Snickers bar because you're experiencing the nougat and caramel so much brighter because it's not competing with the salty peanut, right? Yeah, yeah, So yeah. in Jack, when you're removing a lot of that corn aroma and a lot of that corn flavor, you're allowing all these other flavors of Jack to shine and that, that's in our whiskey-making process. Um, a lot of people, when you said additives, people are like, oh, Jack has such a sweet note. What are you adding? It's not adding; it's taking away. That right? is We're removing. That is. So I'm married into a very thick Italian family, and by thick I mean it is it is it's thick. There's a lot of them. There's a ton of them. When you marry one right. Italian, you marry all of Italy. Um, and I love that, by the way, for all my Italians listening, and my wife specifically. Um, but. Cooking in Italian is is interesting because every there's so many layers and so much, but it's important that every specific thing has its own flavor and it's it's taken care of. You salt the noodles; they have to they have to have a certain. Even though you're going to put all kinds of sauce or gravy, depending on where you're from, on top. Sometimes dishes pull things out, or they'll separate something from a dish, and simplify it a little bit. Um, there's a there's a pasta dish. Um, something de pepe i can't i can't think of it now but it's basically noodles butter pepper and they just subtracted a lot right. of things that was spaghetti and they made another dish that was simple and there's just so many more flavors that you can zoom in on basically that's what i'm hearing it's almost like that's my mind's blown by the way cuz i was certain that the charcoal system i knew it didn't add color but i was i, I you could have, I would have jeopardized, I would have gone on Jeopardy and said, what is flavor from charcoal? Right. Um, right. So that's mind blowing. And I never thought of it that way. You're letting the yeast speak. You're letting the subtle notes of certain grains kind of, kind of, that corn is very, 
very picky in how it behaves in the barrel, and we do lose a lot of flavor in the corn that we sweet notes and things like that. That is absolutely incredible. Um, as you're, at, I'm glad I we did it this way. As you were describing all of that, I was sipping, and I normally get that heavy banana, like everyone says. Yeah, I got none of the banana. I got I was I was getting cherry. I was getting very light um, vanilla, but almost like with a lemon thing going on. I, these very subtle, beautiful, bright notes were kind of coming through because I was trying not to think of charcoal and that flavor and stripping away of different things that I normally taste in like a bourbon. That was incredible. My mind is my mind is blown, to be honest. Yeah. I, I hate that about I, you. No, look, you, you did it. You asked the question. And, I know, but... Uh, you know, I... I, look, I am so happy that you asked it because you can ask a lot of people at Jack, especially people in marketing, me coming from the bar world and me being out doing tastings all the time. I'm like, we need a better way for people to understand charcoal mellowing because I do think it gets washed over um, because it, if, if you don't really understand it, you just hear words. So, and so. I would say my point of view, and and this is a really a dumbed down version. There's a lot more to it. To me, it's no different than pot still versus column. You know, you're doing the same thing. You know, with a pot still, you're not as control. You you have a lot more fats and oils that are and and off flavors and on flavors that are making their way through, and there's nothing you can do about it. Then we invent right. the column still, coffee still specifically, and now we can kind of filter and zoom in a little more to what we want to taste. It sounds like you're just taking another step and saying, no, we want to really focus in on X flavors and mo- remove those heavier, fattier meats that you get in a, that you get in a bourbon. Yeah. I don't, I and, don't see anything wrong with that. No. And I don't, to be honest, I don't believe, you know, Tennessee was the only one using charcoal pre-prohibition. Um, I feel like I've had many conversations with our historian and he mentioned it was a, not common amongst bourbon but used and if you think about it you know like nearest green was taught charcoal from someone who was taught like we have there's a book that mentions charcoal being used in tennessee i think in 1820 um the first time was in a book mentioned Mm. but we're pretty confident that charcoal rectifying goes back to ancient egypt which makes Mm. sense that when the slaves came, they brought the knowledge of distilling they had, and they had the knowledge of charcoal rectifying, which is how it got into whiskey making because they had more knowledge than we did. So that's why a lot of slaves were put in charge of making whiskey. And before prohibition, especially mid 1800s, what they were making was not nearly as refined as what we make now. And charcoal does help tone down some of that um, big boldness that might have been really rewarded by charcoal back then because we didn't have barrel aging like we do now as much as we do. We didn't understand weather and cycles and all these different things and better grains and better milling. And whatever we do now is better than what we did then, just in terms of evolving. And after Prohibition, no one charcoal mellowed because it's so expensive Mm. and it's so time-consuming. But Jack's nephew, who took over from Jack, Lem, you know, he's like, that's how Uncle Jack did it. That's how we're going to do it. And, you know, it kept on. And it wasn't until later that other Tennessee whiskeys started using this as the Tennessee thing. Um, and I believe there's only one brand that when the law went into effect where you have to touch charcoal, 
there was one Tennessee whiskey that never used charcoal mm. and they kind of got grandfathered out of using it. Um, but everyone else does. Now, like I said, it's different. Every brand has their own method, their own way. This is how Jack did it. I'm, you know, I'm assuming we haven't changed that since Jack's time. Maybe, we, maybe it's gotten more refined since Jack. Um, but the, the point being, this is how we make Tennessee whiskey. This is what we think is our best foot forward to make what we want to put out there into the world. And, you know, every, like there's a million bourbons. They don't all taste the same no. because everyone has different yeast, different climate, different grain bill, whatever, different aging, different warehousing. So there are nuances and that's, what's great about it. They all tasted the same. What would be the point of having yeah. more than one brand or a whole, or a whole podcast you know, on, uh, about, about one topic. Right. They're just uh, different notes, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, you know, one day you're in the mood for this kind of music, one day that kind of music. Right. Either one's better, but yeah. that's what you feel like listening to. Right? Yeah. One day it's Zeppelin, one day it's Sinatra, one day it's Eric Church. All great artists, they just play different notes and, yeah. and have different voices and, and write different words, but they're all music. Yeah. I uh I got to find a new shtick. There's plenty of whiskeys to hate on out there, but um, <laughs> but uh, no, I like that. I will definitely buy a bottle of that and uh, serve it. Um, I'm interested to see how it works in a blind tasting, um, because Jack Daniels is so unique, and I mean this as a compliment. I, I can pick Jack. It's it's probably one of the few whiskeys. I'm not a noser or a uh, you know I, I'll never be right. a sommelier. But I can pick Jack Daniels out of a blind lineup any day, any any time. It's just that unique to me. Um, and there's no other Tennessee whiskey that even. T- I mean, Tickle doesn't even come close to me. It's 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 its own flavor. It's its own nose. It's its own everything. So kudos to to that. But it's uh, it's definitely its own profile. Um, and I think that's just years and years of just me, you know, attacking it. But. Um, so I'm going to move on. What do you recommend, Gentleman Jack or the single barrel? Next. I mean, it's a it's a tough one. So I normally would go Gentleman Jack single barrel to Jack, but since you started with Jack, I had to start with um, a classic. I did. I just had you know, to, you know. Yeah. The um, you know, it, that's up to your palate. So Gentleman Jack is much lighter mm. than Jack, and much much lighter than single barrel. So if you'd rather go lighter to big in the finish or if you'd rather we'll go, go we'll go gentleman jack we'll go gentleman jack right. yeah 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 uh, i see where you're going so, with that yeah you know the um so gentleman jack really just so everyone understands because this is back to charcoal mellowing so you know if you talk about innovation so in the 80s um you know american whiskey wasn't what we're seeing now so if you're you know 25 or 30 today and you love American whiskey, you would have not wanted to be living in the eighties because this, what you're experiencing now did not exist in 1985. And people really wanted light, very flavorless spirits besides scotch. Scotch had its moment, but in terms of the king of all Kings, it was vodka and vodka is very, very, uh, you know, there are great vodkas with great depth of flavor, but you know, on the superficial surface, it's pretty neutral spirit. Yeah. And our distillers were thinking, well, Hey, if people want more approachable and lighter, let's give it to them. How do we do that? So, you know, we distill Jack Daniels 
we put it through 10 feet of charcoal. It goes in the barrel until full maturity and we bottle it. Gentleman Jack, right before the barrel, it goes through about three feet more of charcoal, a little bit faster. And what that does, it removes the oak. Okay. So that oak tingle that Jack will give you a little bit of scratch like whiskey does. And as you go higher proof, you get a bigger scratch. Gentleman Jack kind of disappears in the back of your throat. It's made to be like that. It's made to come in, say hello, cruise through your palate and kind of disappear. And that made it more approachable. And to this day, I believe Gentleman Jack is the only twice mellowed whiskey on the market. And what that really does is, A, it separates itself as a one-of-a-kind whiskey, but also it's giving someone, like I bartended for years, right? So you come into my bar and you say to me, hey man, uh, I usually drink gin and tonics. I hear whiskey's all the rage. What should I start with? And if I gave you a 107 proof bourbon, I'd be the worst bartender in the world. Yeah. But Gentleman Jack would be a, w- a great way to say, hey, check this out. But it's also a great way for someone that's had it all to try something completely different. You know, I, I like to say, you know how you have a friend that leaves a party and doesn't say goodbye? Mm. I like to call that a gentleman's goodbye, right? Because you come in, you say hello, and then when it's time to go, you just leave and you don't, no one notices because there's no scratch at the back of your throat. Yeah. And that's done through the process of double mellowing. This is crazy mellow, but, and it's, there's no burn and I never talk about burn because it's, it's, it's taboo in the whiskey world for some reason to talk about burn. Um, but there is burn in whiskey. It's ethanol. It's science people. There's no burn. There's no, there's no real, there's no real, you know, uh, uh, finish that to speak of. But at the same time, it's it's it does have, and I know you're filtering, and I know it's I know it does have some mouthfeel to it. It it hangs around yeah. in there for a minute. It it's it's I don't want to say well, fatty, look, man, we, but it's there. We don't take it all out. Yeah. If we if we did ten feet of charcoal after the barrel, you'd be drinking moonshine. Mm. It would strip everything. But mm. that real quick couple feet of charcoal. It really just kind of rounds out the whiskey and, yeah. and the oak is what we we're trying to get rid of because that was that was the difference between uh, approachable and the bigger boulder. And, um, you know, obviously in the next whiskey we going to discover a decade later, people started wanting that flavor back. And that's where, you know, single barrel comes into play. But for Gentleman Jack, it's such a nice sipping whiskey. It's mm-hmm. a really... Um, there is that flavor because it's still Jack, right? Like I said, we're only changing a slight tweak of the process. And that's what's really cool about whiskey, especially right now where people are experimenting. This was an experiment we tried, you know, in the 80s and we're still experimenting. Chris loves innovation. Yeah. Like the stuff that if you looked at our top secret, what we're doing in the next few years, it's crazy what he's trying to accomplish and crazy good because it's just so interesting. I mean, even his grandpa, um, you know how you can only use the barrel one time, right? Mm. So it's a new charred white American oak vessel or barrel we use. So, um, back in Chris's grandpa's day, you know, to save money, they're like, I wonder if we can get a second use out of the barrel legally. So what they did, they aged Jack Daniels to full maturity, dumped it, bottled it, right? Took the barrel apart, heated up the staves, right? So the staves went like that. They heated it and pushed it that way. So now <laughs> it's inside out. Side. Yeah. 
they yeah they put the barrel back together and they filled it with whiskey yeah it, it leaked like crazy so they fixed all the leaks and what happened was it was doing great but then the new whiskey line touched the old whiskey line i was gonna say and now yeah. yeah now it's not new so they tried right they tried their best but um, and you know, they do stuff like that all the time and not just us. I'm sure a lot of other whiskey companies are like, what could we do? Yeah. Right. And some of it works. Some you got to break a few eggs to make an omelet, you know, and some experiments are much better than others and some are home runs and some are, you know, yeesh, yeah. strike out. Yeah. I, that was, that's one of my favorite. I asked Chris Morris what his, uh, um, from Woodford Reserve, I asked him what his one project that he, you know, hoped would have made it, but it got a bad it, it just got bad reviews and the uh, no one no one accepted it it wasn't entered well into the uh, into the world and he he was a chardonnay finished uh whiskey that he worked on and i thought that's going to be that's bizarre um but it, for the listeners real quick um et was just talking about the barrel and the line um just and we went over this in a previous episode please check it out but just real quick what he's talking about is when you char a barrel um there's layers and that one flavor layer right behind the char think of caramelizing onions we call that the it's a it's the it's the red line the flavor line right there the flavor is not necessarily coming from the charcoal that's a filtration but the whiskey does make its way to that red line and pulls out some caramelized wood notes and things like that um just wanted to give you guys a quick what that combo is about my worst thing i want to do to any listener is have them get lost in a moment and we have a lot of newcomers to whiskey um so just wanted to get that out of the way i love this man i like this a lot it's it, it has a lot of, I, I really dig and i hate comparing whiskeys to other whiskeys because it's it seems it seems disrespectful and i don't mean this to be just i love irish whiskeys it has a very irish whiskey thing going on which i like right. um super mellow um, you very zoomed in flavors, very delicate flavors, good mouth feel, uh, feel, um, not a lot, in my opinion, not a lot of, uh, uh, there's no, there's no lasting effect there. I don't get a lot of, a lot of lingering flavor, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's a great sipping whiskey, man. I could, this is something I would pour at a wedding. Yeah. It's something I would pour for somebody for the first time. We talked about newcomers to whiskey. You know, it, this is not yeah. a bottle I would have thought of to to kind of to kind of show. You know, no, it's a, it's a great one. It's um, and it's like I said, it is a very approachable whiskey for first timers. But I have a um, a buddy I grew up with since nursery school, and his dad, after years of drinking different whiskeys in his seventies, fell on Gentleman Jack that that was his whiskey. And I think our palates change; they evolve. One day you're in the sure. mood for this, and that's what's you know. That's what's cool about whiskey. People are like, oh, if you tell me old number seven is so great, why do you make seven to nine different expressions? I'm like, because everyone's different. And day to day, everyone's different. Like, you might uh, be sitting by the fire and really want that nice, big, warm whiskey. And this bottle's not going to do it today. Tomorrow, that's exactly the bottle you want. So yeah, I, love I, that. I find it, you know, I really think it's, it's, we are in, we all know this. We're in the whiskey golden ages right now. There's so much to choose from. There's so much great whiskey. There's so many great stories. And it's just fun. I mean, I, I, I was down at Jack two weeks ago and it's just watching people come in and, and see, you know, going on that tour and, and seeing the cave 
where the water comes from, seeing Jack's old office, you know, seeing the distillery and realizing every drop of Jack in the world comes from that building right there. It's crazy. That's beautiful. And I don't think, you know, but I don't think 30 years ago, 40 years ago, that was happening on this scale where people cared that much to go learn. And now it's, it's part of our culture. It's, it's an interesting, the, the boom of whiskey, which, you can argue early 2000s or early 2010s, but I say early 2000s. Um, what started it, I'm sure everyone has a different answer. We don't have to go down. But there's these iconic brands like Jack um, that have just stuck it through and kept up. And you talked about different expressions and things. You know, I let's talk flavored whiskey for a minute. You know, in that I, I have the bottle somewhere. You know your 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 apple Jack Daniel's apple I think is really popular. I, a lot of whiskey snobs. I'm talking to you, listener. You know who you are in your car right now. Um, a lot of whiskey, you know, elitists really frown on you know your your flavored whiskeys. But that's sometimes, guys. That's what keeps the light on. That's what keeps the lights on. That's what brings newcomers to whiskey. That's what brings. Let me tell you something, Jack Apple. I'll in a cocktail on the beach is incredible. It just adds something different, yeah. you know, but those are something that can really reach out a little farther and kind of pick up different, a different group of it's marketing one one man. It's, it's something, what do you do with a batch that didn't quite make it? You flavor it, you know? So there's a business aspect that I really appreciate and respect. Um, I bring that up because I was just in a conversation with somebody when people find out what I do, they always bring up, what they know about whiskey. And I love that. And I was talking to somebody and they weren't a big whiskey person, uh, meaning an enthusiast. They don't, you know, they're not in Facebook yelling at people about Jack Daniels is a bourbon or not. Um, <laughs> they're just normal folk, but they were like, you know what I'm trying to find? I really love it's crown Royal peach. And I learned that crown Royal peach is flying off the shelves and is, is, is border lining allocated. And it blew my mind. And it made me really consider flavored whiskeys. And when I opened up that little nativity set of Jack Daniels, there were some cinnamon, there was an apple, um, there was another one I can't remember off the top of my head. Honey, honey, that was honey. It. honey. Um, I've actually enjoyed the honey in a uh, in a mock um, uh, toddy, um, which really works, by the way. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that there are different blends, different expressions, different things, you, you know, things in a can, mixed cocktails, which I know Jack Daniels is playing with. And yeah. I, li- I love that, man. I think that's incredible. I think that yeah, reaches look, it's, more people. It's, well, it's also, A, like you said, it, it, it brings whiskey, non-whiskey drinkers into the fold sometimes. May, they might be ready to cross from what they're drinking now to 100-proof bourbon. But a honey flavored, a peach flavored, an apple flavored whiskey might be that bridge that's like, oh, well, if I like this, maybe I can try a whiskey sure. whiskey now. And all of a sudden they're whiskey drinkers. Yeah. I, and, you know, cocktail wise, like J- Jack Honey and a Pina Colada. Yeah. Delicious. That sounds incredible. Um, you know, but I will tell you this. I'll go. I'll say this live on your uh, Instagram. You heard it first. Jack Fire saved my marriage. Um <laughs> When I met my wife. No, 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 no. Hold on. Before you go into the story, no one has ever said that <laughs> sentence in the history of sentences. I just want you to, I want, that's a soundbite. Um, anyway, go. Yeah, I, you, I, you heard it here first. Yeah, yeah. That, that's getting a second pour of uh, Gentleman Jack, because I got to hear this story with, uh, 
Tell me how any brand of Jack saved a marriage. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, when, when we were dating and I think we were engaged, um, it took a minute, but it finally came up where she admitted to me that she does not like whiskey and does not like Jack Daniels. And I was, you know, in my head, I'm sure she could read it on my face, but in my head, I'm like this big red flag here. We might have a problem, right? Like yeah. this, this, this could, uh, this could be a big issue. And, you know, we talked about it and I tried to give her some Jack Daniels and it didn't, didn't pan out. And I said, try this. And it was, you know, pulled out of the freezer, a bottle of Jack fire. And she, she took a sip and she goes, Hmm, took another sip. And before you knew it, there's never not been a bottle of Jack Fire in our refrigerator. And yeah. when we went to see uh, Desert Trip um, out in you know Palm Desert with the Who and Paul McCartney and the Stones, every single night when I rode our bikes down to the the fairgrounds, there was a ice cold uh, pint of Jack Fire in my pocket. And um, you know, she since I spent a year because my wife is borderline uh, vegan. So I spent a year trying to make a vegan whiskey sour that wasn't aquafaba because I don't always love using aquafaba chickpea juice as a flavoring agent. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget this. So thought that instead of chickpea juice, I could use the corn liquid. And I called Chris Fletcher and I was like, isn't this amazing instead of, and Jack's a corn whiskey. So like, well, it makes more sense anyway. And he's like, man, you are dumb. He said, chickpeas are protein eggs are protein that's where that froth is coming from um he's like corn is all starch it's not going to work the same yeah. but i did love the idea of corn with the corn whiskey so what i ended up doing was taking a can of organic corn blending it pureeing it to as liquid as i could get it and then straining out all the solids and then putting that corn juice in a squeeze bottle and then using a little bit of soy milk, which is the highest protein of all the fake milks. Mm -hmm. And that takes care of the, the protein from the egg, but the corn really matches the viscosity of the egg. So it really matches what an egg does in a drink. And that's, that is her favorite Jack drink right now. The, you know, the vegan sour. I would drink The only that. problem is, man, that is labor. Like the yeah. prep is a pain in the butt. Once it's prepped, it's pretty easy. Um, but, you know, just like uh, Dan Call said when he sold a still, happy wife, happy life. Yeah, man. So, my, one of my favorite know. cocktails is a Ramos Gin Fizz. So I know all right. about labor. When a lot of heavy yeah. lifting. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I always wanted to try. I, I'm a huge fan of oat milk. I, I'm, okay. I'm not a vegan. I uh, Full disclosure, I will. <laughs> I love animals. I really, really do. But. I just wish they didn't taste like they did. I like to think the animals that I'm consuming are bad people, um, and they've just done terrible things. Right. But I love oat, I love oat <laughs> milk. I love oat milk, and I feel like it's thick enough to make a whiskey. Like if I can froth it somehow, but there's just something about a whiskey sour. That's my. That's actually my go-to whiskey drink. A whiskey sour. It's just they're just incredible, yeah. and they're so old school, and I just love everything about them. But um, I should try one. Yeah, and they're fun. It's kind of like. The whiskey sours are almost like a whiskey margarita in, in the sense that a simple form can be three ingredients, right? Whiskey, yeah. sugar, citrus. Yeah. But then you can go crazy 
and do whatever you want. You can use meringues, you could use fruit and muddle this and, you know, spicy that, and you can make whatever you want. So the base is always there and, and you it's can simple. customize it. I always evolve. Yeah. My wife and I, we go cocktail mode sometimes and we start off with like a paper plane and those evolve into whiskey sours, which evolve into just whiskey in a glass, which evolves into right. expletive. Yeah. Um, right. Making love all night. She's in here now. Hey, love. <laughs> um, so you talked about flavored whiskeys and your wife. That's in, that, I, I can relate to that. I actually love that because my wife got into whiskey with Spice Box Canadian whiskey, which you can't find anywhere now. And I would hunt the countryside to find, I mean, literally I would ship money over to, um, Canada to a friend I knew and he would ship me a bottle. And then when they really went under, I found one bottle from wine searcher, like three towns over and I went and bought it for, and then she just evolved out. It's spice box is kind of, um, I don't know what flavor, uh, vanilla flavoring kind of, I don't know what they're it's a it's a cocktail of flavoring in the bottle but it's a flavored whiskey and now she's a you know she likes it neat she likes it on ice she likes a good cocktail but she really respects she's she's one of the best tasters uh nosers that i know and uh, it all started from flavored whiskey but anyway we went off on a flavored whiskey rant your story was incredible the listeners in the in the room were we're uh we're all about it. I loved it. It's going to make great, great radio. So I appreciate that. Um, I said when you were gone, who would have thunk I would spend an hour with somebody from Jack Daniels? Um, and if you know me, that's uh that's a big thing. I'm moving to the single barrel. Perfect. Me too. Uh, this is my first time with the single barrel. So be gentle. So the, you know, I think you're going to love it. First of all. Um, I like and, a high proof whiskey. I do. And I'm not, I, yes. I, I, cause I like a lot of, I like big flavor. I like spice. I like, you know, heavy. And, um, so I think I'm hoping anyway, sorry, I interrupt you. Yeah. Every once in a while, Haida, I feel I've got to, I've got to make you a drink. I feel like you need to make me a drink too. <laughs> like right now? Well, maybe not right now, but many times. <laughs> so Impex has traditionally been an importer of whiskey or, or a seller of whiskey, right? Yes. We now have a line called California. Yes. And it's all cordials, liqueurs, etc. So you've got your spice liqueurs, your glugs, your fernets, your amaros, your falernums, your aquavites, and orange liqueurs. Talk to me, babe. I could mix that with a host of things. I can mix it with some lemon heart rum. Mm. I can mix it with some black tot rum. I can maybe sneak in a cheeky wee whiskey and mix it in there. And you wouldn't even know you're drinking whiskey. Well, That's right. If you want to make the best cocktails, if you want me to make the best cocktails. I do. What should I be using? Whatever that was you were just talking about. <laughs> the California. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. That that's, one. That's the one. <laughs> Impex Beverages. Yeah. Proud sponsor. Yeah. Cast Chasers Podcast. You betcha. Here we go. No, no, but it's, you know, single barrels are a cool whiskey. If you think about um, old number seven to a single barrel, right, the big difference is single barrel came from one barrel. It's the product of one individual barrel. Old number seven, we take about 175, 180 barrels. We mingle them together, and that ensures consistency of flavor and color everywhere you go. The fun part about single barrels, especially if you're coming down to pick one out, 
we'll give you a bunch of samples of different barrels mm. and you get to pick the one that is your exact. You want a little extra oak? Maybe it's this barrel. You want a little bit more vanilla? Maybe it's that barrel. Um, and it's a higher proof. Like you said, it's 94 proof yeah. instead of 80 proof. It's also aged um, at least a cycle, if not two cycles more. So a full season, summer, winter, right? Um, which enables the whiskey to have more play with the wood. And, you know, it's Friday afternoon, happy hour in most places. So I don't want to bring too much science, but we all learned that hot air rises. Um, so our barrel house, there's seven floors. And in the summer in Lynchburg, that bottom floor could be 90 degrees. That top floor could be 120 degrees. So you have to think about how much more that wood is expanding on those floors and that whiskey is getting deep into the wood, extracting more flavor. And that's where all the single barrels come from. And what's even crazier, real job, master tasters. All of our single barrels have to get through our master tasters, including Chris Fletcher, yeah. who we've talked about, Lexi, um, the guy named Goose. These are all people that sample and it's not that one barrel is, oh, that's perfect. That's not good enough. You have to think about if you're a single barrel whiskey versus a, a old number seven, we're using multiple barrels. Old number seven is a sports team, right? Yeah. So we're in the World Series right now, right? You're the Phillies. You got a pitcher, a catcher, a right fielder, center fielder. So all these different players make up a great team. All these different barrels help each other make a great whiskey. When you're a single barrel, you're a boxer. Yeah. Right, you have to have all the skills you need in your person to go win the fight, and if you don't, you're not going to be a great boxer. So when they're looking at these barrels, they're looking for a barrel that really encompasses some of those great attributes we've been talking about—those fruit notes, the banana note, the caramel notes—and if it has what they're looking for, it can go out in the world as a single barrel. Otherwise, it's got to be on a team. Maybe it needs a little bit more oak. Let's grab those barrels that are oaky and, and balance it. And that's how they figure out what goes in the single barrels. Usually about one in a hundred barrels become a single barrel. I, I tell, so they're the ones that. I tell people, newcomers, when they ask the question of what, what's the difference between single barrel and small batch or, you know, um, single grain, you know, you get those questions. But I tell people with single, with, um, with single barrel, you really have to, that's when you become nerdy. That's when you have to trust a distillery. That's when you have to trust, you almost right. want to have a, a baseball card collection of who's at that distillery. 100%. Like during a, a season, we have about, I think, 70 to 90, you know, but for this, the master tasters, the single barrel tasters, I think we only have about 15 or so master tasters. And that, it's a lot of responsibility on that job because, like you said, they're putting out a barrel into the world that has to exist on its own. Mm. And their opinion hopefully matches up with a lot of other people's opinions right. out in the world or else, you know, we're not going to have a good program. And I, I'm curious how you what you uh, how you're enjoying the single barrel you've had in here for the first time. Um, I'm in love. Um, I. I um I really I'm glad you asked that. When I first take took a sip, my eyes rolled back in my head, and I'm not being, um, I don't placate. I try to be as honest as possible. It is, it is everything that the gentleman Jack, the subtle notes, the 
the playful, the 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 very you know delicate dessert stuff you get from the gentleman Jack. The punchy, picked it right from the tree ripeness of the regular Jack Daniels. It's all of that, but tossed in a stir fry. It's just, it's just, it's just so powerful. But every flavor is is uniquely like spotlighted. It's, it's. You you talked about boxer versus baseball. It's you know, it's 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 that moment when you go and you listen to one person sing one note. Uh, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of like uh, the second solo of, uh, of 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 comfortably numb. It just kind of caught me off guard. And you were telling this story, and I love you to death, man. You've been awesome, but I lost you for a second there because I was so <laughs> in this glass, man. And um, um, I'm mad at myself for not trying it sooner. I'm I'm happy that I'm drinking it with you. I, I you know I'm glad I'm sharing it with my listeners, and hopefully they're going to go out and try it because. You know, hopefully you trust me, but it's, it's emotionally good, man. That is, that is a good barrel. And because I know, and I'm going to get really cheesy cause you know, God laid on thick Bobby, right? Um, because I know it's a single barrel. I know I've been there when barrels have been picked. I know what, I feel sorry for the barrels that aren't, they just don't quite make it. And I know what right. it's like in that top right. Rick house when it's hot as shit up there, man. It's, it's fucking hot in those things. So I feel, I, yeah. I, I met um, Widow Jane's um, um, a Rick Master um, in New York. And New York is cold. It's never really hot up there, blah, blah, blah. But I remember seeing him. I, I wish I could remember his name. Great guy. Widow Jane in New York City, uh, Brooklyn. I mean, um, I went in there. It was around, you know, spring, which is cool, decent weather. And he was drenched in sweat. Now, take that moment and bring it to Tennessee where it's the surface of the sun in the summertime. And these right. guys and girls are up there picking these barrels, watching these barrels. It's a science, man. I appreciate it so much, and it all comes through in the glass. And I'm just I'm overwhelmed with how good that is, to be honest. Um, I'm a little, look, I'm a little I, defeated I, to be yeah, – I'm a little bummed out that I haven't had it sooner, if you want my honest look, opinion. In the yeah. same sense, you'd be, like, thrilled. It's like you're the guy that never watched the guy. Godfather, mm-hmm. and now you finally get to watch it for the first time. And, it's, yeah, it's, which is so a like, bummer, kind of. And then you're with that yeah, guy, and you're like, right. man, I wish I was you right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I wish I was Marlon Brando right now with the orange in his mouth yeah, man. with the little kid. You know? Yeah. Like, but so, you're, you're doing it. You're having that moment. So and, it's, and, it's not yeah. – it's, it's not a – when I think single barrel and I think high proof like that, I, I never worry about aggressiveness or whatever. I, like I said, I like big, bold flavors. But it's um, there's a dish I really like, Moroccan chicken, um, which is like Moroccan food is very bold and big. But there's these delicate kind of things going on in it with the tomato and citrus and everything. There's a lot of flavors. And if you've eaten like Moroccan food or Indian food, the thing about it is it's not one flavor. It's just a bunch of flavors buckshot it at you at one time that is kind of what i got here it's just a lot of good flavor all at once and when you drink a single barrel or a cast drink bourbon it's just heavy oak or heavy vanilla or heavy caramel which is great and i love it this is just a fruit bowl a salad of just flavor but like the most aggressive turned up I really, 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 yeah. really, really I, dig it, man. I really do. I'm being sold 
uh, this guy's uh, this guy's wares out of the back of a picture. It's like nineteen, you know, nineteen twelve, and he's got like this wagon with these uh, elixirs, and I'm one of the suckers in the front row that's uh, buying it all. But no, this uh, this single barrel man, I, I can't talk enough about it. It's gorgeous, Jack Daniels. I'm here with ET, the national brand ambassador, U.S. brand ambassador, Tennessee brand ambassador local whatever small town brand ambassador for jack yeah the man the legend himself so for those that are just showing up um and i know what you're thinking if you're just showing up it's uh bobby with jack daniels i'm falling in love so whatever i don't care so we're talking about the uh, single barrel um i'm dude i fucking love this to be i mean i can't yeah. there's no other way to say it it's it's super good that's really good um and it's emotionally good because it's my first time having it. I love I love getting into a glass with somebody, you know, I've, we're just now meeting. We've chatted in email and everything. But, you know, for those that don't know, the whiskey industry is very close. We all know one another. Like when you go to Facebook and you find somebody on Facebook in the whiskey industry and you go to click their name, it's like, you know, uh, mutual friends, 700, you know, whatever. So we all we there's a lineage there, and I think that's really that's really dope. I think that's cool, and I think that's because this is one of the few industries where everybody cares about one another. You know, Jack Daniels isn't hating on. I do. I'm in media. I'm on podcasts, so I'm supposed to be provocative. Um, but um, but I'll be honest. It's uh, I've been looking forward to this because I wanted a reason to drink it, and uh, here we go. But anyway. Um, so the single barrel. So tell me a little bit about the the Rick houses there. Um, I know you said temperature differences. So it sounds like we're not control. We're not controlling the temperature. We're we're letting nature do its work, yeah. which is really cool. Yeah, we don't. We just put the barrels up there and and let them sit, and we don't rotate the barrels. And so obviously, you know, the barrels on the top floors are getting much more action than the bottom floors, and. Lexi, like, she has a great analogy for Jack. If you took one of our barrel houses and poured it into a bottle, that's Jack Daniels, right? That's every little bit of I love that light whiskey from the bottom floor over there and really deep, dark amber and, and bold from over there. And it just it makes a consistently um, delicious Jack Daniels. But for single barrel, we're looking for those barrels that have all the play, the bigger, the bolder. And it's not just bigger, bolder oak or bigger it's bigger bold or something we're looking for one of those barrels like we said that exists on its own merit it doesn't need a team of barrels to help it succeed it can do it all by itself and then like you said we rely on those master tasters to go find them and you know it's a fun gig um a lot of great people in the history of jack have been on that panel and it's it's pretty cool when you walk into a store and you pick that barrel you know yeah i i I, i've seen because Jack Daniels has a very cool um, barrel pick program, and I've seen a few. Uh, I know Costco carried one one time, right? Like you could buy a barrel yeah. at Costco, which was yeah. incredible. I like have a I have a friend, <laughs> uh, my buddy Ray, who's a big Jack Daniels fan, and he was like, "I'm getting that barrel." And he got it. He got a barrel. He got a barrel. And uh, okay. I mean, it's like six years later. He's like, "I'm still not through that barrel." I'm like, "I hope not." Um, that's two hundred and something bottles of whiskey, big guy. Yeah. But um, so no, but I, I I respect my master tasters. I respect people in that 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 are getting that opportunity. Um, but single barrels are single barrels. It's nature. It's what's yeah. what's what's being. 
It's what the rickhouse gives, the rickhouse gives. That's it. There's no more. There's nothing you can do about it. It's That's the point of a single barrel. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite year that, that really just spoke to you, or has it seemed pretty consistent? No, it, it's it's pretty good. Look, I, I have a feeling, someone asked a long time ago, we didn't get to it, but does our whiskey change year to year? And, you know, the short answer is sure, right? It's nature. So you're living and you're, you're using yeast that we're making, but it's all being affected by the nature. So if you pick up a bottle of whiskey, I'll tell you a great story. Um, so Chris Fletcher, we discussed master still of Jack Daniels, his grandpa, Frank Bobo, master still of Jack Daniels, 66 to 86 years ago. Um, I was in LA and a buddy of mine called me, he owns a bar and he came into possession of two cases of vintage unopened whiskey, all different kinds of vintage whiskeys. And he said, I have an old Jack bottle unopened. I think it's pretty old. What should I do with it? And I was like, oh man, our assistant master distiller at the time, Chris is going to be in LA. Can you hold off on till he gets there? And he's like, yeah, man, whatever. Just let me know. So Chris comes to town and, you know, we're taking him everywhere. I'm like, I got something special tonight. So we go to my buddy's bar and he pulls out this bottle of Jack and it's the vintage rounded shoulders and mm-hmm. block letters. And it's the old bottle. And he, Chris grabs it and he looks at it. And I was like, do you know what year it is? He's like, well, let me find out. And he looks at the bottom of the glass and he says, you see those numbers? I'm like, yeah. He goes back in the day, they used to bevel the year the glass was made. This, I think it said like 68. So he's like, this probably came out in 69. He goes, my grandpa made this whiskey. That's awesome. And it was like the coolest that thing. Is awesome. we, we cracked it. And, um, you know, did it taste like Jack? Sure. Well, I remember it was 90 proof in 68, 69. Right. Um, but there was something a little bit different slightly. And Chris is like, look, man, this was made in an era where nature at the, distillery was a little bit different so there's going to be little subtle differences we're not doing anything different but mother nature has her own plans so we're not you know we're trying to always make the most consistent same bottle same bottle same bottle and i'm sure if you had 1938 1948 1968 2008 there's going to be some slight nuanced differences um but there's a and there's almost it's, like it's there's a Venn diagram there though where it's like all the known the known flavors that make up Jack Daniels meet in the middle and we all recognize it but right. there's these subtle nuances that are I'm sure your you know your master you know taster can pick that out but right. you and I aren't but I mean from 1969 because I've had the pleasure of drinking something that old versus now like an old Weller or something right. and there are new there there it's just gonna be yep. different it's gonna be you you hit the nail on the head it's, it's right it's it's nature it's 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 notes it's corn I mean it's all but of it you know in in terms of what you asked my for for single barrel no we we used to do a um a holiday single barrel every year. I, I kind of remember 2013 being a great version of that. Just that bottle was a good one. But that just means to me, that's one of the, like if I went to the store tomorrow and bought a bottle of single barrel, I might crack that and be like, this is delicious. I love yeah. this one. But for me, it's more about the, the when it comes to single barrel, I think that 
obviously it's great whiskey, but it's the more about the, the love that went into picking it. And if you get to go pick one, like my old boss, um, the last bar I ran in, in LA, he called me one day. He's like, I'm going to come down to Nashville. Can you bring me to Jack? I want to get a barrel for the restaurant. And this is the place I spent 15 years at. I got the Jack job there. I started my company there. I met my wife there. I have a lot of love for this bar. So to go with him, a good friend, and bring him to Jack and pick out a barrel for the place I spent 15 years of my life that gave me so much of my life, I love that. You know, That's yeah. a great, for me, great bottle of single barrel. But because it means so much to me. That's, and that's, that's the great part about whiskey. We share it. Like tonight, yeah, this tastes so good because I got to meet you and yeah. we got to hang out. We got to, to um, you know, have an experience. And that's what drinking with friends that's is all about. That's what I was going to say, man. That's what I was going to say. 2019 single barrel. That's this one um, is, uh, right. I assume, um, because when it was purchased, is my favorite single barrel expression. And I'll say that because it's it's cheesy, but it's this. It's the time I got to hang out with ET on Instagram live. And it's an episode I did my first episode with Jack Daniels of 300, 200, whatever episodes on this podcast. And it's just all of that, you know, comes together and it's, it's amazing. You're just, you're a rad dude. And it just, it just makes it all work, man. And you, you, you love this product, which makes me love it. You know, whiskey, food, plating, all of those things. It's, it's, I, I strongly believe it's 90% in the head. It's, it's all, it's all mental, you know, and you know, there people think plating food is pretentious, for example, but it's visual, it's, it's mental, it's art, you know, and I think the more, you know, about a whiskey, I don't know that I used to buy into the type of glass, you know, I'm drinking out of a, uh, a Copeta right. and, you know, it's a stem okay. glass, you know, whatever. And maybe a Glencairn, maybe a tulip glass is better for nosing. Maybe all those things are true, but at the end of the day, it's who you're drinking with. It's the story that's behind it. It's the emotion, the passion. That's what's going to make it delicious. And that's really what makes the whiskey. It doesn't matter what glass you put in, it's who you're hanging out with. That's a t-shirt. I'll probably put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're, yeah. Look, you're making memories, right? Yeah, man. That's, I mean, you, that's you, to look, me. Yeah. And it's, it's for me, you know, it's all about the experience of drinking whiskey. And tonight is a great experience that I will remember for a very long time. I and so. the this night is- I saw, you know, <laughs> you know, the night I saw Paul McCartney with my wife, I saw a beetle live but i got to share that with my wife it would have been a lot different by myself i still would have cried yeah right it's a freaking beetle yeah but i got to share that with my wife made it even more um uh you know special and that's to me what this is all about i mean we could enjoy lots of different things and we could have bonded over anything but tonight we have the memory of this bond over these bottles i love that that i tell the story of when i was in scotland I Koila 12 year, which is a, it's a blending whiskey. It's, it's a simple whiskey. There's nothing crazy about it, but I had it in the highlands of Scotland and just with a friend, it just made it, it's one of my favorite scotches now. Um, this, this has been just hearing your story about meeting your wife and, you know, that relationship kind of bonding over Jack Daniels and, and, um, it was just beautiful. And I think it, it really heightened my opinion and, and everything. And I, I just think it's incredible. And just meeting you, man, I mean, you're, you know, it, it is. And that's, that's the whole point of this spirit. That's the whole 
it was designed to be, you know, whether you're in the trenches or in combat like I was, or you're sitting around a bonfire, or, you know, you're at a family event, you know, it, it's not about getting trashed. It's about getting maybe a little inebriated. Nothing wrong with that. But it's about having some spirits, you know, with friends and letting that kind of shave away some of the inhibitions and, 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 and you know, making you a little braver and laughing and telling more jokes and, and just really enjoying what you, what's, what's in the glass and the person you're with. As cheesy and laughable as that sound, it's so true and it's, 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 it's honest and I, I love that. But yeah, no, I don't think kudos, man. I it's, don't think it's at all, brother. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's I love real it. and it's why it's what makes life worth it yeah if we didn't have ex- great experiences to to remember and, and share what's the point man it's why it's they too call, hard already it's why they call There's it too spirit. much spirit yeah yep. yeah cheers yep. to that man um lastly i just poured i've had this before i wasn't the biggest rye fan i went to a tasting event we do a lot of tasting events and i'm not i wasn't this is years ago and I wasn't digging rye at the time. I go through these little ebb and flows of what I'm into and what I'm not. And at the time, I wasn't a rye guy. But we had a rye tasting because, you know, Cast Chasers, before it was a podcast and a show and, and everything, we were a tasting group. And um, so we did a rye tasting, and someone brought Jack Daniels rye. And blind tasting, it was my favorite, which, shocker. Right. Um, and there's a lot of incredible rise and there's a lot of people out there doing crazy cool stuff with rise Catoctin is is might be one of my favorite rise of all time and true to history maryland virginia rye right but dude jack daniel rise incredible but what i'm understanding is it's a whole different it's it's not the same um it's not the same recipe yes. it's a whole different yeah you want to talk about it a little bit yeah that's what's yeah, in my glass so, now. Yeah, right. Perfect. The, uh, you know, so bourbon, Tennessee whiskey, one of the laws that we talked about earlier, minimum 51% corn in the recipe or grain bill, right? So mm-hmm. for Jack, we're 80% corn, eight rye, 12 malted barley. And rye, the only difference in recipe or in the rules of making rye is the recipe, which is must be at least 51% rye. Mm-hmm. And so for Jack, when when bartenders started like falling in love with rye again, you know, I, I think it really started when all these cocktail books got republished and we started reaching for these books yeah. and, and like, oh, what's what great bourbon recipes from 1907? And then you're like, oh, it's rye. And yeah. then they started reaching for rye and at the time there wasn't on a rye on the market. So uh, Jeff Arnett, you know, and Chris started working on a rye and they researched the market, right? Yeah. And at the time, most ryes were either all in rye, 95%, 100% rye, which is that big, bold spice rye, that's that rye bomb, mm-hmm. or, you know, just over the legal limit, right? Woodford, Beam, 52, 53% rye. Right. So, you know, a much lower rye content with a much higher corn content. So Jeff thought, you know, hey, Jack's always been a little bit different. We charcoal mellow, we got the square bottle instead of a round bottle. He dressed different than most distillers back in the day. So let's do something a little bit different. And he decided on 70% rye, kind of right down the middle. And his goal was rye is typically a cocktail rye. Like it's, it's used more in cocktails, but at 70% with a little bit of higher corn, maybe it will have 
the boldness and spice you want for that Sazerac, right, or the Manhattan, but also um, approachable enough to sip on its own, which rye really wasn't known for. And, I, you know, a lot of my friends who are rye drinkers have the same reaction that you did. There's a guy that was on a nice guy, Eric Nirenberg. He wasn't familiar either with Jack Rye. Mm. And I was like, dude, do yourself a favor. Go, go grab a bottle. And he's like, this is great. You know, he loved the single barrel rye, right? Mm-hmm. We just talked about single barrel. So we do that version of the rye as well. And I, I love it. So you get a lot. We Now it is the same yeast, same barrel, same water, same charcoal. But we don't do 10 feet like we do with Tennessee because Tennessee, we are really trying to remove a lot of that corn to allow different flavors. Think about rye. You are really looking for that rye note, right? Because yeah. You know, you want that spice. You want that bigger, aggressive uh, whiskey. So if we did 10 feet of charcoal on rye, it kind of ruins the point of the rye. Right. So at three, three-ish feet, I think, and a lot quicker, it just kind of polishes the edges. Um, so it's it's a really smooth, uh, lovely rye. And I think it's different. Like, it's better. Like, it, why do the same thing? Why, why go after what everyone's already done? Let's try to do something a little bit different. And I love it too. You get a lot of fruit notes, a lot of different fruit than Jack, even though it's the same yeast, I think because of the grains and the way we mellow it, different fruit comes out. I, I getting a lot more stone fruit, a lot darker fruit. I was going to say and with st- Jack, you're getting yeah. the brighter pear. I was going to say stone fruit, but it's, it, it does. It has cobblerish kind of things going on it, but it still has that nice right, pop right. of rye, that, that spice, that pumpernickel, that, that flavor that you get from it. And rye is an aggressive grain. It's a, it's a mean grain. It's a hard yeah. grain to work with. And it's, it mucks up the machines. You hear, you've heard me talk about this before yeah. to the listeners. Um, but it, but it ex- extracts so much flavor and it's a balance to not have that overwhelm, you know, your high rye, especially 70%. I mean, a high rye whiskey can just become a rye whiskey. It just, it's just that aggressive. And all the other right. grains kind of get pushed to the side. But a lot of people around with weed or whatever. But if you know what you're doing and you use the right, gr- uh, the right rye, the right grain, and, and I think your mellowing process, albeit a little, you know, less than you would with your normal line, I think it does let that that grain shine a little bit. Um, like I said before, I've had it. It's 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 really good. Um, this is great in a cocktail. By the way, it is. Um, yeah, it's a great it's a great Manhattan. It's a great um, old fashioned. Um, it's uh, there's a margarita I've had with this. It, it was um, I don't know what the oh, term. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was no tequila, but it was made, it was the tequila, it was a margarita made with this, so I, I think that might have another name. It's essentially some sort of whiskey sour with uh, agave uh, nectar-esque to it, um, and all the other accoutrement that come with that, but um, but I've had this a few different ways, and it's always been impressive, um, and of course, green label, I mean, that's that screams rye. Um so that's I, I'm not going to break into the flavored whiskeys because I think I'm going to leave those to the flavored whiskey fans. But I wanted to experience with you the I don't this isn't the core line, but when I think Jack Daniels and I think obtainability, this is what I think of. If I could pick four bottles, and I think four are great for tasting, I have been let down by none. 
my friend. I, I think you, I think in this battle or whatever we want to call it, I, I, I kind of put this out into the world as some sort of, um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll take the loss on this one. I, I think Jack Daniels is, is a great brand doing great things and making great whiskey. And uh, ET, you, you brought me there, buddy. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you reached out and I'm glad that we can make this happen so quick. Um, yeah. it was a lot of fun for me and, you know, look, like I said earlier, I love Jack. I can't make someone love the taste of Jack the way I love it, but you know, I, I just love educating people about what Jack is. And so when they do dig it, they have all this behind them and it's, they really understand the brand from what's in the bottle but I also love the fact that Jack has his life outside the bottle. You know, we talked a little bit about music. Music really started with Jack. He yeah. loved music. He was not in a band, but there was a local band um, in Lynchburg called the Silver Coronet Band. They couldn't afford instruments, so Jack went and bought them a uh, Sears and Roebuck catalog. And for anyone too young on this uh, live stream, that was like the Amazon back in the day. And he bought them instruments, and they would play. Uh, and then after they would play, people... Jack would entertain me at two saloons before Prohibition. And, you know, then Sinatra, then rock and roll, then country and oh, hip-hop. Sinatra so like, and Jack I'd, Daniels. Tell me, yeah. tell me about that one real quick, the Sinatra um, blend. What is that? To define so, that for us. I don't have it with me. I've had it before. Yeah. It's really good. It's Every time I tell somebody, I'm, I, before, oh, this, before this I conversation— before this conversation, uh, when I would say I wasn't a Jack fan, everyone loved to pull out the Sinatra and show it to me, um, and it's really right. good. But I'm curious to know, other than I know Sinatra, I'm, I love Sinatra, but um, I know he's a big Jack Daniels guy, and uh, he was a whiskey guy. He was an alcoholic. He was a raging alcoholic. Did coke too. I mean, he, he did a lot of things. But um, <laughs> gotta love him for it. But um, dang good too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did that, I guess. Um, tell us a little bit about what that is, what, 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 what makes yeah. it that, so, yeah. you know, so when, when Sinatra was, was leading up to Sinatra's would be hundredth birthday, uh, we got together with the Sinatra state to figure out ways we could, you know, amplify this milestone and, and celebrate the relationship between Jack and Frank. And, you know, the easiest thing to do would just make a new bottle or make a fancy label call it Sinatra Jack Daniels and throw it out to the world. But, mm. you know, that's not how we do things. And that's not how we wanted to respect that friendship. So because we do own Cooperages, mm. we decided to tweak our barrels. And as we mentioned, American whiskey, Tennessee whiskey, bourbon, aged and new charred white American oak. And it's completely charred on the inside. What we did is after we charred those barrels, put a tool inside the barrel that cut through the char. So if you can see this, this is a new oak. This is after we toast our oak. This is charred oak. And then this is the Sinatra barrel. So these lines will be cut all the way around the barrel. And what that does, it doubles the surface area of the wood the whiskey touches. But also the minute the whiskey fills the barrel, it's touching new oak. Yeah. And as we mentioned before, in summertime, that's when the whiskey wood expands. The whiskey gets through the wood. That's when it touches new oak traditionally. In the Sinatra barrel, it's living on new and charred oak immediately. And the result is a really big, robust, bold whiskey 
and so oaky that what we do is we hand select some barrels of old number seven to kind of balance those flavors. Yeah. So you get that big, robust whiskey with a nice Jack finish. And then we put it in a fancy bottle. I love right? that. And then we. Yeah. To, to explain it to the listener, I can't remember what the terminology. I've seen that before, but um, it's basically striping the inside of the barrel. So there's uh, yeah. layers. The barrel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is is a isn't done often i've seen it before i can't remember who else does it but i've seen it before and uh, but that's cool i didn't know that i love that process i love that that just shows yeah. the extra steps you're willing to go because you could have absolutely slapped a sinatra label on you know right. called it called it new coke and been fine right. and everybody would have been More yeah. Fun but <laughs> yeah yeah i i will this is where are you from, by the way? Uh, well, I'm in Delaware. I'm from Texas. I have to legally, because if you're okay. born in Texas, you got to say that. Um, but I'm in Delaware, which is basically Philly, Philadelphia, Wilmington, Delaware. It's my college. Oh, from a guy from from yeah. a guy from Philly, you really can't say it's basically Philly. Ba- I know it. you can't. You can't. If you're if you're in Philly and you say that, it's an insult. But if you don't know anything about I'm this, from, I was born. In- oh, were you? Okay, well then, my apologies. Yeah. <laughs> My <laughs> but when people say where are you from and you're like Delaware, they're like, oh, and you're like Philadelphia. And they're like, oh, OK, yeah, I got where you're from. They don't yeah. even know Delaware exists. Well, yeah, well, you are in, uh, you know, Sinatra land. Yeah. And the uh, I- I'll give you this because um, I-, I think it's fascinating. If you buy a bottle of Sinatra Select today, yesterday or 2015, there's a little book that tells the story of how Frank Sinatra discovered jack daniels whiskey and in that book it names jackie gleason as mm. the man that introduced sinatra i grew up with so him. not right with, i grew up watching him i didn't grow up with it. yeah 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 i didn't grow up with him i'm 40 but right. i grew up watching yeah, it. yeah. the listeners yeah. are like he was he's gr- old he's old he's older than i thought <laughs> but and jackie gleason is great I, look i love i love smoking the bandit i love all of it i love hustler and during the pandemic, our historian, Nelson Eddy, was on a podcast with the, the president of the Sinatra estate, um, Charlie Pignon. Mm. And the host is saying, you know, how did Frank, like, how did he get love in Jack Daniels? And he, Charlie looks at Nelson and he's like, you're thinking I'm about to tell the Jackie Gleason story, don't you? And he's like, yeah. And he goes, it's not true. And he's like, what do you mean? It's been true. Like, they're all dead. How is it not true now? And he said, because during the pandemic, I was listening to a concert. I found an old concert from Frank we never released from, I think it was from 1982 in Vegas. And he's doing the show and he always had a glass of Jack Rocks on the stage. And and he would usually tell you it's a necker to the gods, right? Mm -hmm. This is Jack Daniels. I love it. Mm -hmm. And this show, he raises up his glass and he says to the audience, did I ever tell you how I discovered Jack Daniels? And of course the audience is like, no, Frank, how tell us, you know? And he said in the early fifties, I was at my good friend Humphrey Bogart's house at a dinner party and Sinatra loved Bogey. And after dinner, Bogey goes up to Sinatra and he's like, what do you want for an after dinner drink? And Sinatra's like, I don't care. I'll drink anything. And then Bogey said, well, if you don't care, you're going to drink what I drink. He's like, well, what do you drink? He's like, I drink Jack Daniels. And Frank goes, what the hell is Jack Daniels? Bogey says, you're about to find out, pours him a glass of Jack on the rocks. And, you know, much like uh, saw old school when Frank the Tank yeah, sips yeah, that yeah, beer. Yeah. It's so good when it touches. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. That was 
that was kind of like Sinatra, and he fell in love, man. And he was very, very rarely seen after that without his uh, glass of Jack, yeah. and he loved it so much that when he was laid to rest in '98, he was laid to rest with a bottle of Jack Daniels in his casket. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. that was a, that was a relationship. It's not like today where there's influencers and you know we're paying everyone, everyone's paying everyone to say I love this, I love that. We never, we never had anything with Frank. He, the only relationship between Jack Daniels and Frank Sinatra was this guy named Angelo Lucchese, who was the first person selling Jack Daniels that was not a descendant of Jack Daniels. He was basically our first salesman, and they met, I believe, in the '60s, and he was Frank's guy, and you know, he would have him out to his golf tournaments in Palm Springs, and they were just friends. Mm-hmm. You know, corporate never got involved. There was no here's a Cadillac every year to say you like Jack Daniels. It was yeah. just pure, authentic. Frank loved Jack and he didn't mind telling the world. And you know, it, it didn't do bad for Jack Daniels. Yeah. I love that though. And, and I mean, they, they go together like peanut butter and jelly, man. I mean, it's real. I mean, that's yeah. incredible. That's a cool story. Yeah. I, I've had more goosebumps in this conversation than I've had in a lot. And, and my wife's commenting, Left and right, I love that. We're like I said, I came from. I come from a. I'm married into an Italian family, so uh, Sinatra is royalty. And every Christmas, he's on the uh, radio, and it's not even Christmas music. It's just Sinatra. Right. And I'm like, all right, that makes sense. Um, and I will be now. I will now be adding. I think to add to this, Jack Daniels to my Christmas drinking um, conversation because of the Sinatra, and it just all makes sense. So you have added to uh to a lineage there i think so bravo good job on you ETA. i don't know if they pay you but i hope it's more um <laughs> listen man we are at, yeah yeah show it to yeah we are yeah we are at an hour and 44 probably one of the longest uh interviews i've done and i have loved every freaking second of it um I, I hope to meet you at one of these events. You know, we all show up to these events, um, different whiskey events and whatever. Um, but I am I, I am so grateful for this conversation, man. I'm great to meet you. And I, I, I honestly continue, consider you now a friend, which is a very dangerous thing to be for me, um, to be my friend. <laughs> Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, but man, you've you're, you're a great guy. You really believe in the brand. You you've sold me on what is Jack Daniels, and um, I haven't tasted anything tonight I didn't love. And uh, the the old cast chaser uh, language is would I steal it? And I would rob Jack Daniels for every one of these bottles. So you heard it here that we don't rate we we don't do five stars. We say would you steal it? And uh, I would steal every bottle. And uh, and say and say et put me up to it but um hey, hey man i'm i'm gonna let you enjoy your, your the rest of your uh friday but uh i i look forward to he- meeting cheers, you. man yeah seriously brother I'm happy to be here cheers to friendship yeah new friends and uh thanks for having me my pleasure my absolute pleasure thanks buddy be good all right i hope you enjoyed that conversation with the legendary et of jack daniels he made me a believer so I guess I got to go out and buy Jack Daniels now. Um, feel free to send me all of your samples or bottles that you don't want because I partake now. You can follow us on Instagram at Cast Chasers, Facebook, Cast Chasers, of course, Twitter, you guessed it, at Cast Chasers, or you can go to our website, castchasers.org. 
You can also listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. That's Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Podbean. And while you're pouring yourself a healthy dram of whatever you choose, maybe Jack Daniels. Remember, it's not about finding the perfect dram. It's all in the chase. 